Hello, this is Aisha McGowan, also known as a Quick Brown Fox. Welcome to Quick Brown Foxes, a multimedia project where I seek to answer the question of how to get more women of color into cycling by asking women of color how they got into cycling. I would like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors and partners, Cannondale, Assos, SRAM, Lake Cycling, Scratch Labs, and Carmichael Training Systems. Also, welcome to my newest patrons, Amy Ungiri, Haley Nielsen, and Rosemary Volick. If you would like to become a patron as well, you can find me at patreon.com slash aquickbrownfox. Today, we'll be meeting Samantha Scipio. She lives in Chicago, and she's probably one of the raddest women you'll ever meet. Lately, Sam has mostly been into endurance mountain bike racing, but she's also done road racing, cyclocross, track racing, and anything else you can think of. She doesn't consider herself a pro, but she is a live ambassador and a pro friend. My name is Sam. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and what was the third thing? Oh, I identify as a black woman. <laughs> black woman. I am a black woman. There you go. Uh, and I didn't learn how to ride a bike, at least without training wheels, until I was 12. And Wait, I you rode a bike with training wheels until you were 12? I sure did. When did you get the training wheels? Uh, I don't remember not having the training wheels. So I think it's the type of thing where I went from tricycle to bike with the training wheels. And then I, I, I just remember being really scared of falling. I used to be so scared of falling and hurting myself. So I didn't want to take the training wheels off. Oh, that's funny to me because I don't think you have that problem anymore. <laughs> no, I embrace it now. I love it. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, so we moved... We moved houses when I was about eight and- In Chicago? No, 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 in Detroit. So I'm originally from Detroit, suburbs of Detroit. And um, we moved to this new house and it wasn't for four years after being there that I think my dad wanted to teach me how to ride without training wheels. So they got me a new bike, a bigger bike that didn't have training wheels. It was hot pink. I think it was a Magna. So this is when and, you were 12. Yeah, this is when I was 12. And we went out in front of the house and I was, I was doing it and he was helping me and he would let go and I would ride on my own. And we lived on a cul-de-sac and at the end of the cul-de-sac, there was a bunch of sand. Oh. And uh, <laughs> it just kind of in the turn of the cul-de-sac. Oh, that sounds safe. And uh, I, I took one of those turns with the sand <laughs> and went down and scraped all of the 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 skin off of the lower part of my leg oh, just from my ankle to my knee and then part of my knee like gone just raw i guess that was my first road rash <laughs> <laughs> this is only the fourth one i've done and it seems like a lot of people have these traumatizing childhood like injury stories oh yeah like... it, was, it was awful like we we didn't know how to wrap it and my mom bought these non-stick gauze pads, but then to wrap it up would be too much. So she got a long tube sock and cut the toe off <laughs> and slid it up over the gauze pads on my leg. But then sometimes the gauze pads would slip down and then the tube sock would just stick to my wound. And then we'd have to peel it off. And it was like this whole crying thing and oh, pain. So and... But I, I know how to ride a bike now. So <laughs> grateful for that. <laughs> All right. 
So <laughs> you regrew all the skin on the bottom of your leg. Yeah. And kept riding in your youth. Is that how that happened or? I guess so. We would ride. We lived in a subdivision. So we'd ride around the subdivision, me and my sister. Um, I actually spent a lot of time on a scooter. Like Razor, a Razor scooter? scooter? Razor scooters were big. We got the knockoff version. <laughs> and we would. <laughs> And we I had those all around. I had one from Chinatown in New York. And there was this one day that we rode all around my hometown. Like everyone had like scooters or bikes. We were like this big like rolling gang of kids. Heck yeah. <laughs> and I, the scooter had shocks on it and they popped off, but it had no effect on the scooter whatsoever. That's a good scooter. Is it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you scooted around, you biked around a bit. I scooted around, I biked around a bit, but outside of the subdivision, the roads, it was like little two-lane roads. So one lane going one way, one going the other, not many sidewalks. So we didn't leave the subdivision too much on bikes uh, just because there wasn't really anywhere to ride. And that was bikes in my childhood. I remember really feeling like I wanted to ride to the grocery store. And I think a few times I tried to cobble together the sidewalks or like would ride in the street a little. My parents would be like, what are you doing? You need to stop. The people are driving too fast. And I think one time I made it to Kroger. <laughs> I think it was only three miles away, but it felt like it was a journey. How like an old epic you? journey. Uh, at this point, I was probably about 16. <laughs> and I was so proud to make it to Kroger. I don't even know what I bought. Probably some Your snacks. Commute. Look at yeah. you. And I, biked, and I biked back and I was like, I'm never doing that again. That was <laughs> oh. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. Infrastructure makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Massive. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. So 16, you attempted to commute, didn't go so well. So you were like, mm, maybe not so much. Was that like the end? Did you like grow out of bikes at that point? Uh, a, a, maybe a little bit. Um, I, I was mostly a runner, so I would run a lot in high school. And then going into college, I also ran. And I took my mom's old, oh, I want to say it was a Huffy in mm. that like real beautiful, creamy 70s brown. Mm. <laughs> I took that to school with me and would to ride college. that yeah to college okay and would ride that you know between classes just to get around there was no helmet wearing there was no like going on the streets it was just mostly i need to get to my class and i'm late so Did you guys have an actual bike. campus yeah we had a, a campus um okay. and all of my classes were contained on that campus so so it felt relatively mm -hmm. secluded that's cool yeah all right so then Went to college, rode your mom's bike, scooting around on a bike. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pretty much. How did you get from there to where you are now? So there's another event, uh, event in college that was pretty pivotal. Okay. And yeah, I'll just share. So I, I got out of this abusive relationship and kind of secluded myself. Mm -hmm. um, this was my senior year of college. And uh, a friend of mine, you know, would invite me out and she would try to get me to come out and do things. And there was this bicycle co-op um, just in like a smaller part of town called Where Mobo. Where did you go to school? I went to town in or school in Cincinnati. Okay. I went to University of Cincinnati. Okay. And in a neighborhood called Northside, there was a bike co-op called Mobo. 
And they were starting to have these classes for women that were Build-A-Bike classes. So you'd go once a week, uh, you learn about a different part of the bike, and you volunteer there for some hours, and eventually you earn the parts you need to build your own bike. So um, it's like earn a bike, but for adult women. Yeah, for grown women, grown-ass women. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And so I signed up for the class, and we would go together every week, and it was the kind of space where they were so open about not knowing everything. Like we would be learning how to open up a hub and close the hub back up. And the lady would be like, the swoopy thing or the smooth <laughs> part. She'd be like, I don't know what it's called, but we all oh, are it just- speaks to my heart. Yeah, we're all just <laughs> learning together and trying to understand this together. <laughs> you know, and everybody would bring food and we would hang out and like work on bikes and it was amazing. That's so good. And by the end of that, I had built up a bike and I was riding it all over town. Cincinnati is really hilly and I was riding this crappy bike all over the place and it was amazing. And then what? And then what? And then I moved to Chicago. Uh, that crappy bike was unfortunately stolen. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It was, it was red and silver, I think. What kind of frame was it? Folies. It was F-O-L-L-I-S, which I don't even, who knows, you know, it was probably too big too. It was, it was my kind of frame. Okay. So Wikipedia came through with some information about Cycles Folies or Cycle Folies. Uh, it was founded by Joseph Folies. And I'm assuming his name was Joseph because he was French and he ran the company um, found the company and ran the company for years and years and years. He built these bicycles, he built tandems and racing bikes, and many of them were in the Tour de France, and then eventually his granddaughter Miriam took over, and she continued to build custom bikes until 2007 when she retired. Sam probably had a pretty rad ride. That's usually how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Was it a man frame? Yes, it was a, it was a man's bike. Mm -hmm. Not a woman's bike. Mm-hmm. Which is a, another thing altogether. Um, mm -hmm. But I moved to Chicago then. So you were and probably, what, like 21, 22? 22. Okay. Yeah. It's 22. I packed up all of my stuff in my car from Cincinnati, drove home for one day, and drove straight to Chicago to start a new job. And I think that the pivotal point with this is as I'm getting off the freeway, literally to come and start this new life in Chicago, my car dies. Of course it does. It overheats <laughs> and I coast off the freeway onto the <laughs> side of the road and park it. And I'm like, crap, <laughs> what am I, crap. And this wasn't the first time this car had had problems. So I limped it to an auto zone, got some coolant, put coolant in it, limped it to where I was gonna live and decided that I was gonna donate it. Okay. So did I donated. You, did you give it to Cars for Kids? I sure did give it to Cars for Kids. <laughs> you know, I don't know any kids that are driving cars, but they've got a lot if any children are interested. They do some really, really catchy advertising. It's so obnoxious. Yeah, I don't even I... Know, who else would you even donate your car to? Books for those know. kids. <laughs> we all know kids need cars. I don't know if anybody else accepts cardone. Just kids. <laughs> it's just kids. 
every kid in the United States who listened to the radio has heard this ridiculously obnoxious jingle for Cars for Kids. Honestly, no one actually knows where else you could donate cars if not to the kids. And here's a treat if you've never heard it before. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S, cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. Okay, so you donated your car to the kids. I donated my car to the kids and I went and bought a used bike. Good, good. Mm -hmm. Now you have transportation in Chicago. Yes, I do. And I would transport myself to and from work. And I would just ride until I could. Sometimes I would ride until 4 a.m. Because I didn't want to get off my bike. Oh, that's so good. I would just ride around the city, ride up and down the lakefront ride to a random far place and ride back. And I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I did that for about three years before I even learned about racing bikes, three or four years. Sweet. So yeah. So you went straight from riding until the sun almost came up into racing or were there any things that happened in Chicago in between? Um, There were a few things. One was I started riding with a group called Red Bike and Green. It's a cycling group. Well, it's a bike riding cycling group, whatever you want to call it, um, for black people um, and people of color. And it started in Oakland. And And it's exclusively for... Yeah, people exclusively color, right? for people of color. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I joined it Joined because it, I wanted to ride with people like me. And we would ride to a different neighborhood every weekend and somebody local would give us a tour. We would, you know, patronize the businesses there and just in general hang out and have, have a good time. If there was a festival or an event or a concert, we'd ride to that. And that's another way I I, I rode all that I could. I would ride to these events, ride on the ride and ride home and then like keep just keep riding really. And I found <laughs> some good good riding buddies through that group. Um right friends. friends. Yeah. Cool. So how did you <clears throat> take it to the next level? Was it like touring or racing or right. Um I don't remember how I heard about this event or who told me, or who convinced me to go on it, but there's a group out of Atlanta called Black Freedom Outfitters. And- With Zara. With Zara and Paris. And they, I think had done one or two tours before from like DC to New York and somewhere else. And they were doing a tour from New Orleans, Louisiana to Mobile, Alabama more specifically to Africatown, Alabama, which is right outside of Mobile. Okay, so Sam does a pretty good job of explaining Africatown, so I'll leave that to her. I'm really excited that I'm also going to have Zara as a part of this project, so we'll hear more about Red Bike and Green and Black Freedom Outfitters and a whole bunch of other rad stuff she's up to. Okay, back to Sam. And Africatown, Alabama? Yes, that is a... So Africatown, Alabama is the last place that a ship of enslaved Africans 
was brought over to the United States. Wow. Okay. And they were not supposed to be slaves, according to the law, but they were forced to work until they rebelled, freed themselves, and were given a little piece of land on the coast. Was this like after slavery had already been abolished? Like yes. this is like post 13th, 13th Amendment? Yes. Jeez, that's yeah. just messed up. It's real messed up. <laughs> it's so um, messed up. Even more messed up is the state of the area now because the land and laws, quite frankly, are owned by a family and a, well, a series of families that runs massive paper mills and paper mills are super toxic to the environment. And so people there are dying of cancer, generations oh. of people. And they're not expected to live past 40 or 50. That is like about I'm gonna the average have to age. Power up the old Google machine. That seems like something I'd like to know more about. Okay, yeah. so you went to Africatown. <clears throat> yeah, so, well, I, yes, I biked from New Orleans to Africatown on this used bike that I had gotten four years ago. And that was an amazing feeling to be able to transport myself with other people that were also transporting themselves through space and through time to a different place, just using our bodies. It's so cool. Did you have all the equipment you needed? Like, how did you, cause it seems like you need quite a bit of stuff for touring, no? Right, I <clears throat> bought some used panniers. I went to my local bike shop and got a rack, a couple of racks. Um, and I think that's all I got. And just dealt with the rest? And dealt with the rest. I had a tent that I shared with a friend. I bought a sleeping pad. I borrowed And this a was supported bag. to an extent, it, right? Yeah, it was, it was supported. Um, so they had somebody come along in a van that would prepare meals for us at the end of the day. Nice. Um, but everything you needed, you did carry on your bike. That's really cool. So what did you get out of that experience or like? Uh, I got that I wanted to do more of that. Okay. And I mean, it was just continued love of cycling and love of bikes. I don't know. It was just fun. Like it could be just fun, right? It could totally be just fun. Like that's, yeah, that was just fun. That's the catalyst for most it was so fun. of this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you go do a bunch of touring after that? You know, no. Uh, after that is when the, uh, things really changed. How so? Well, after that is when I was on Instagram and saw that someone had tagged me in a comment and it was Zara, the woman that had just led the tour I was on. And then my partner at the time also tagged me in a comment and it was on your post that you were in Chicago to race and that people should come and say hi. And huh. both of them said like, oh, you should talk, or Sam, you should talk to Aisha. And then somebody said, Aisha, you should talk to Sam. And you sent me your number and we met and got dinner. And by got dinner, I mean, I got dinner and you didn't get dinner because I had inadvertently picked a place where I don't think you could eat anything. Anyways, I you didn't watched- I did anything? No, you watched me eat sushi and we talked. Yeah, with the Japanese place or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could eat. Yeah. What? Why did I eat anything? Maybe, maybe I wasn't hungry. Maybe you had already eaten or something. It was a race week, so I was probably yeah. eating like a ridiculously strict diet. And that was, I think that was the year where it was like everything I ever ate came up in a race. And so I was like super careful. 
very barfy yeah yeah fun times fun times <laughs> yeah that's right and it kind of blows my mind because I, I don't usually do stuff like that <laughs> i i'm super but, glad you did but maybe it was because it was zara yeah and i i trust her judgment on on those things okay so you met me and then i was like race bikes race bikes race bikes <laughs> well you were like race bikes sure you said race bikes but i i wasn't really sold and i feel like you didn't really push it I think really... I invited you to come watch bike races. That's what it was. You did. And you actually showed up. I did show up and I watched one and it was the, um, it was the Goose Island crit. And I was like, this is, I don't even, I, <laughs> I, I remember feeling like I have no clue what's going on, on here. And I remember asking you 50 million questions and meeting Marty and him being <laughs> very over, like he was so excited. It was kind of overwhelming, but. Well, it was a black woman on a bike. I don't blame him. I was also very excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't meet those as often as we'd like to. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing that and learning that. But we're out there. Yeah, we are out there for sure. And, oh, it was at, you did a talk at Blackstone Bicycle Works, which, which is another great community bike shop. Yeah, I came back and, the same summer. Mm-hmm. So I met you in July, yep. and then I came back at the end of August. Oh, yes. But that wasn't that much time in between. No, I mean, in, in between, I was just still commuting and doing whatever. And you came back and you stayed with me. And we went to a talk at Blackstone that you were having with the Major Taylor Cycling Club. And we got out of the talk. And one of the teachers mechanics mentors at at blackstone said hey we're having a cyclocross practice you all should come and i looked at you and you were like yeah sure so we stopped by on the way home and i remember watching people do hot laps and i was like huh he was like take my bike give it give it a try and i hopped on this bike and i did a hot lap and you were wearing that long like Peach I was wearing shirt, a I was, dress yeah, thing. I was wearing like a peach work dress because I had just come from work and like leggings <laughs> and like work flats and I did a, a hot lap. It was just like holy crap. And you were just gone. I, you were like, where did Sam go? I have to do this. <laughs> it was amazing to watch, honestly. I could see the love in your eyes as you were taking that first hot lap. Whereas I yeah. tried and I was like, nah, fam, this ain't for me. <laughs> like yeah, I'm not I, into this. <laughs> <laughs> never in my life had I ever heard of cyclocross. Never ever had I before seen that day. Cyclocross. No, I had no clue what it was. Oh man! If Sam had never ever heard of cyclocross before that day, that means that somebody listening has maybe never heard of cyclocross before today. Let's change that. I'm gonna go ask my trusty friend Wikipedia. Cyclocross is a form of bicycle racing. Races typically take place in the autumn and winter and consist of many laps featuring pavement, wooded trails, grass, steep hills, and obstacles requiring the rider to quickly dismount, carry the bike while navigating the obstruction, and remount. You can maybe see why it's not something I'm super into, but I will admit that cyclocross is really, really fun. It's really high paced, good energy, excellent training, and the community is pretty rad. If you've never heard of it, I highly suggest you check it out. And it might not be for you as it isn't for me, but you'll never know until you try. And then I, I did another lap. And then it was my birthday and I bought myself a bike so I could race cyclocross.
that's insane. How did you get from, I mean, like you went hard with cyclocross. I remember that first year you were super stoked and like just did all the races that you could. In that first year, you did like so many different kinds of racing. Like you raced cyclocross, you raced road, you raced, a, you did a 24 hour mountain bike race. Yeah. Um, I talked you into right across Wisconsin. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I think a lot of that was just saying yes to things even before I knew what they were. That seems um, to be a common theme here. Yeah, just you say yes to it and you just see how far you can get. Mm -hmm. And you try to be as prepared as you can. Because um, I Did mean, you when you're, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a pro racer and I had no intention of being a pro racer. So it's that, that pressure while it is very real, real and you can feel pressure. It can, if you can convince yourself to let it be, be super freeing and fun to just try stuff and see how far you get. Did you, <clears throat> did you ever feel incredibly unprepared going into something or were you like um, a lot of times I hear people saying like, oh, I don't have the right equipment or I don't have whatever. Like, did you ever feel, what were the barriers, I guess? Um, I fortunately had, you know, a job and enough money to buy a cyclocross bike that would work. That would work. I mean, it was definitely set up for touring. It had bar and shifters and you know, I was always hitting them with my knees and shifting by mistake. So it wasn't ideal, but so it was think, used. It wasn't like, no, it was new. It was a new cyclocross yeah, bike. New cyclocross bike. With just an old school setup. Yep. It was a Surly cross check and they sell them set up for more of a touring gotcha. style. Gotcha. Cool. Um, <clears throat> but I can that gear is always a barrier to entry, whether it's things you actually need to race, like a bike with a bigger clearance so you can have bigger tires, so you can put knob ears on so you have grip in cyclocross, or it's like a social expectation to be wearing a kit or to be wearing a chamois. And I think in both cases, I was fortunate enough to be able to get a bike that would get me through really, really well what I needed to do and to have people that donated um, old clothes um, or shoes or gave me advice or sent me to places where I could get things more affordably. Did that happen because you asked for people to tell you or give you things or did you find that people were just like, how did you go about that? I found that people were pretty giving. Um, once I started going to the races and talking to people more, um, you know, they kind of see what you have and don't have and offer up um, what they can. And okay. I know that isn't always the case. So I was fortunate again, but I think I, I tell that story more to say that if you are a racer and if you're in a position and you see somebody new that you can be that, that positive change and like that support for them. Very true. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I personally right now have a closet of things that I need to, to disperse. So we yeah. all do somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, you get the bug and then it gets, it gets out of hand pretty quickly sometimes mm -hmm. if you're fortunate enough. So yeah, cool. So now what are you up to? Now I am in the middle of cyclocross season, which 
I haven't been racing because I burned myself out this year. But now I'm uh, I am racing, <laughs> uh, doing the most ultra, ultra distance mountain bike racing. <laughs> ultra yeah. distance mountain bike is that the official term for it? Ultra well, distance I mean, it's mm, ultra distance or endurance. Endurance is probably what more people say. Endurance mountain bike racing. And what does that mean? Like two hours, means, three hours. Two days, three oh, days, okay. two weeks, three weeks. Oh. It's that. Okay. One race? The mm -hmm. same the same race? Sa same race, so three days. Race. It's not a stage race. Oh, it is one-shot, self-supported mountain bike racing. What is self-supported? Please, what does that mean? That means that nowhere along the route are you allowed to have somebody that is there waiting for you with items. Um, you're not allowed to accept help unless that help is also available to everyone else. So I break two spokes. I can go to a bike shop because everyone else who's doing the race also has access to that bike shop. But you can't. Um, but if I break two, but if I break two spokes and um, my friend happens to live nearby, I cannot go to my friend's house. Understood. So everything you need, you have to carry on your bike with you. And you, you're allowed to buy stuff along the way as long as it's like a public space mm -hmm. where anybody has access to it. Correct. That's a lot. It is. <laughs> why? It is. Why, why, why are you doing this? Because when I do that, I don't have to be anywhere but there. When okay. you're in those races, that is all you can think about. Um, and it is... I mean, you definitely benefit from having awesome people around you in those times, but it is truly yourself that is going through this. You as an individual. Endurance mountain bike racing. Okay, so why mount endurance mountain bike racing over, are there other kinds of endurance racing, like gravel or road? There's, yeah, right? There's gotta be. Yeah, like, there's gravel, there's road for sure. But why uh, mountain bike? Oh, and why single speed, ma'am? <laughs> I think that's worth noting. You don't have gears. Yeah. Yeah. The, the answer to both of those questions is hard. But why mountain biking? Because uh, it's truly challenging. It is oh, truly, you, truly challenging. You're deliberately making it harder for yourself. Right. Okay. It is tr truly challenging to have all of your gears, supplies, and needs on your bike, and then throw it up and down a mountain. And, and you find that fun, though. That's fun for you. Yeah, it's, it's real fun. Okay. Well, that's, that's what matters. Yeah. Cool. It's super fun. And you see, some, you see some of the most beautiful sights that you've ever seen. I mean, when you're on a path that can only be accessed by a mountain bike, and you get to the top of a, of a pass and you just look out and there's just rolling hills as far as you can see. You can't hear a single car. You can't see another person. Like, I don't know. I don't know another way to find that or to, to get that, that piece. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your bike story with me and with everyone who will listen. Um, if you had one thing that you would share with everyone, I guess, either newcomers, women of color, anybody. Um, a piece of advice, what would mm -hmm. that be? 
Mm. I think my one piece of advice would be the more we share with each other, the better it is for everybody. So everybody just share, especially women. Like, yeah, we're competing against each other, but if I uplift the woman next to me, she's going to uplift me back and we're both going to get better. Okay. So that's like share things, share stories, share everything. Just mm -hmm. a broad share. I like it. I'm into it. Thank you. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you so much for listening to this chapter of Quick Brown Foxes featuring Samantha Scipio. Stay tuned for next week where we'll ask her a couple of follow-up questions and even get a peek at the pink work dress and white leggings that she was wearing on the day she fell in love with Cyclocross. You can find me at I Suppose, A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Go ahead and follow me in all the places. You can subscribe to my newsletter at EquipBrownFox.com. You can also subscribe and leave a review for this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Places like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And it would be great if you would become a patron on my Patreon at patreon.com slash a quick brown box. Thanks so much and see you next time. Bye.